0: Welcome to the Pitching Backwards Lefties Get Loose Podcast. Here are your hosts,
1: Griffin and Welly. Welcome back to Pitching Backwards. This is episode 8. I am Kyle Wellman, along with my co-host Griffin Favitz. And today we are bringing on a great baseball mind and someone that we've really enjoyed talking to in the past. And uh, his name is Mark Flatten. And Coach Flatten has... You know, a ton of pro experience, coached at almost every collegiate level, and just has a really unique baseball story that we're excited to tell. Thanks for coming on, Coach Flatton.
2: Uh, thanks for having me.
1: So I guess
0: we'll start with how did you get into scouting in professional baseball? Where was your into to professional baseball?
2: Well, for me, um, it's been a very unique um, journey because you know i was at, it's almost like you know the the some of the guys you've talked to that have had a past where you know they really fought to to make it into pro ball and things like that as a player um i really that was kind of my story as you know getting in working wise everywhere i went you know i was trying to do something and someone told you you couldn't and i'd have to try to figure out how to make it work and you know next thing i know i'm doing a pretty good job and getting another opportunity and, you know, and always coming down to hard work and that type of thing. But for me, um, I was, um, you know, I went to college to, to play baseball and uh, my mindset was to get my um, degree and my teaching credential and I would go back and coach at my high school and be a high school baseball coach and I had had great experience in high school. Um my you know, my best teachers, the guys that I related best with were my coaches. The guys that taught me the most were my coaches. And I thought, man, this is exactly what I want to do with my life too and uh hopefully, you know, give someone else an experience that I was able to enjoy and uh when i went to college a whole different world opened up where i realized there were so many more things i could do with the ability i had to be a coach um and you know where did where was that going to take me you know did did i want to be a high school coach or did i want to be did i want to do something else did i want to try to do more could i do more um and so i would approach every day at practice um like a day that not only was I trying to get better as a player but I was trying to get better as a coach and from those opportunities I just kind of kept working and um, you know started out as a high school coach Um, got a job coaching um, as a volunteer in division one baseball Uh, went back to high school because I thought oh man I could be a coach anywhere I've got you know all kinds of different experience and I know I can do a good job and Um, And then at that point, when it kind of became a career, I found out it was very difficult to go from one level to another. It wasn't something that really happened that often. You kind of got into your level and went that direction. And at that point, it kind of became a really big challenge for me to, to push myself to try to figure out what it was I really wanted to do with coaching and where I could go. And with that, the journey began of, um, you know, going back to college baseball, to Division One baseball, working into professional baseball, and, and then all the things that have happened to me over the last 22 years.
1: So you mentioned something that was interesting to me is that the changing of levels as far as baseball is concerned is, is, is something that isn't particularly easy. And I, and I kind of wanted to ask you about, you know, your playing career... You know, I, you, you played in a, you know, a small school in Missouri. Um, did you ever feel like that was just an obstacle that you didn't think you'd ever overcome? You know, playing at a small school in Missouri to being, you know, you've you've been with, you know, the Pirates and, and these other, you know, big league teams at this point. Like, how did you overcome that small school, you know, probably not a ton of exposure to, in the coaching world into what you've done today? interesting because i think you know
2: back when i started the the process you know there wasn't as much information as there is now like you can find out anything you want to know you want to be something there's information to tell you how to do it how to go about it what the best way is who to talk to um i had no idea even just as a player like i was just glad to be on a team and be playing and thought if i was good enough you know it'll keep working for me you know whether that means playing college baseball or professional baseball or whatever it might be and i never really thought about it until i was at that next stop and at the next stop i would think man what is you know am i is this the best i can be or is there more or could i do more and um as i was doing it as a player i kind of continued to have that mindset because i knew at some point i wouldn't be good enough as a player but i thought I could contribute as a baseball coach and um, so I just kind of continued to work to figure out like how how does this work what can I do but unfortunately you don't get a you didn't get a lot of information and so I didn't know some of the obstacles I was going to run into until I ran into them and then I had to figure it out all on my own. Or, you know, at that point, I had made some friends that were like, hey, try this or, you know, here's a guy, you know, we really like you. Here's a guy's name. Call him and see if he can help you. And, you know, it really was a a matter of relying on some other people to kind of to kick open some doors for me. And then as I walked through them, I, you know, I obviously needed to perform to do it. Otherwise, I was not going to be there very long. And so, um, you know, when I was playing and in that environment I didn't think about it as much until it was like wow this is going to be really difficult because it's you know just like as you're playing there's just not as much exposure there's not as much you know not as many guys are coming out to see you and that type of thing so you know what am I going to do to to make it happen and luckily along the way you know I had some good people on my side um, that helped me early Um, I learned a ton and then I, you know, was able to use that to kind of keep pushing myself forward, but it's really, you know, it's continuously always been probably my biggest obstacle is, you know, finding a way when you don't, you know,
1: find yourself in that environment Mm -hmm. right away.
2: And I, um, um, for me, it's really interesting because in the last couple of years that, has really changed especially at the professional level um this last year there's so many guys that either had no coaching experience um but a background in analytics and um you know all the tech stuff that's going on and or had a very limited experience on the field coaching but had those backgrounds and now they're working you know at the highest level of the game which I don't necessarily have a problem with I just think it's amazing because you know even five years ago I would have had to really convince somebody you know that that hiring me wasn't that big a deal when you know I was coaching division 1 baseball which you would think that'd be you know probably the easiest jump of all Mm -hmm.
0: right so we kind of talk about this Um, in the last 20 years how has scouting changed? like how, how much has changed For you, because like we talk about, there's so much, you know, analytical stuff nowadays. How does, like, what is the process like now versus what it was 20 years ago as a scout?
2: Oh, well, I mean, it's it's interesting because I, you know, I would consider myself part of the old school, um, but not because I don't believe in the new stuff that's happening, just because, you know, I've always been a gut coach I've always... You know, coached with my gut, my feelings. I've uh, evaluated players with, you know, more than what I just saw, you know, on that 20 to 80 scale on the field. Um, And I've had a lot of success with that. So, you know, I think that's always how it was done. And the guys that were better at that had more success. Um, Now there's a lot of numbers to put towards things that could really, you know, project guys forward, which is helpful in many ways. Um, but I also see that as you know the part of the game that is tough for me because I think that's a you know you end up in a kind of dying breed situation, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it'll die off. I just think it'll you know take a few years to roll back, and that'll become important again, just like anything else. There's cycles, um, but uh, I, I think the the biggest thing is um, you're you know you. There's so much technology. There's so much information. Um, but when it comes down to it, all those you know those numbers really can tell you a lot about a guy. But when you're watching a game, you're always going to learn whether they can, you know, can they get it done or not? Do all those numbers really equate to, can this guy get it done? And I think that's always going to end up being the question um, that you have to answer. And for me, um, it'll always be the, and question that I ask myself, you know, regardless of uh, the numbers and what's happening, is you know, do I really feel like this is a guy that can play at that level, and um, do I believe that enough to put my name on it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, interestingly, like we we've seen such a shift in how baseball looks these days in terms of like, you know, we look at you know Mike Schilt with the you know the Cardinals, obviously like a really successful year you know, has has been a really successful manager in the big leagues. And, he, you know, he didn't even play in, you know, he didn't play pro ball. And it's cool to me to see like this shift where we're finding that it doesn't need to be like the good old boys club. It can be guys who are just good at baseball and like love the sport and know it well enough that they can look at a guy and, you know, say like, does he have the it factor? Because intangibles don't fall in a 2080 scale. Like we all know that. And there's been guys with every tool in the world who just can't get it done. And there have been guys who are, you know, awful on paper that, that just win. And, and I love that baseball is shifting that direction. And it gives, you know, hope to guys like myself who like, I don't play at a big school, but you know, eventually I want to get into, into professional baseball, you know, be it as a scout or a coach or whatever it is. And it's sort of, it's just a cool shift to me. And and it's, it's cool to hear it from your perspective as well because you were kind of ahead on the curve on this. You're an old school guy, you know, coaching in, you know, or excuse me, scouting in, you know, a new age of baseball, but still able to use your expertise and knowledge.
2: Yeah, I think you're you're right on on that. I think it's going to open the door for a lot of guys that would have been on the other side um, in the past. And uh, there's a lot of good baseball people out there. And, you know, one thing I've always told guys, especially when I coach at the high school level, because you're looking at a lot of guys that are never going to play the game again, you know, on that last, after that last senior game. And, um, you know, you don't want to distinguish their or extinguish their passion for the game. And, um, you know, even, even though I think it's hard as a player to deal with the reality that you're not going to play anymore, um, It's even worse if you don't even, man, I can't do anything in this game. I can't contribute in Mm -hmm. any fashion because, you know, I'm, you know, where I'm going to go to school to go to college or that I'm not going to put on the cleats anymore and uh, play at a high level, that type of thing. And, Um, And honestly, when I first started, um, had I not coached at the University of Missouri and been involved in uh, at, at that level of play to start out my career, I don't know that I would have been able to do it because the one thing I had was a little bit of backing, even though I didn't have all of the other things i probably you know would have normally needed especially playing professional baseball and you know i I think some of that is you know it makes sense in some ways that you know you needed to play the game to relate to guys and do things and probably the biggest thing is it's such a crazy lifestyle that you can't just all of a sudden start doing it you're not gonna be away from your family for eight months out of the year and travel all over and do all these things unless that's already what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as you, as you were alluding to, it's, it's, you know, there's guys that are going to make a difference in this game that, you know, you've never heard of before, which is really cool. Cause I think in any, um, experience, especially, you know, it's kind of like the American dream, you know, if you really want it, you can get out there and do it. And that used to not be the way. And, uh, I think it will be, you know, going into the future, and, uh, you know, hopefully that creates a good uh, combination of guys that, you know, u- utilize their gut instinct
0: and also are able to take, take the numbers and figure out what all that means, too. So you see a lot of, high, like, good high school talent, and you have seen a lot of good high school talent over the years. But as a scout, what makes a high school-aged kid stand out from the rest of his peers? I think, uh, you know, anytime you're, you're
2: watching a guy – Um, you know, velocity is always going to catch your eye. Um, The way the ball comes off the bat is going to catch your eye. You know, those are two real distinguishing factors because it's just um, when you see guys playing at the professional level that those two things can really, you know, those are things that I don't know that anyone's ever said, I can teach you that. And uh, when you see it at the high school level, you know, that – Piques your interest, and then you kind of start the process of trying to figure out, you know, what else does this guy do well? Um, what's the ceiling on those types of things? Um, and then, you know, as you start to break it down, like, okay, this guy can, this guy does have velocity. You know, what's the consistency, and and you know, what's the, what's it look like for his second uh, secondary pitches? You know, where where are those right now, and where do you think they can be? Does he have feel for those? And, you know, as you do that, um, you know, with the pitchers, then you're going to do the same thing with the hitters. Like, you know, is this guy consistently barreling balls or is he just look good at BP? Um, you know, is when he does it in a game, you know, how also does he take pitches? Does he, you know, swing pitches out of the zone? Those types of things that are going to help you figure out, can he do this consistently at the next level because, you know, the time that he does barrel it up and takes a great swing it is really really good so you know if i can figure these other things out i'm gonna know whether you know i got a chance to to you know decide if this guy's
1: gonna be a player or not sure so so let's talk about this you coached you had the opportunity to coach a guy that you know some people might have heard of um he's a right-handed pitcher by the name of garrett cole made a lot of money recently yeah i think he yeah he signed a pretty big check one of those really big ones they give away at halftime (laughs) Um, did, did you see him in high school and just know that he was like what he's going to be?
2: You know, he, uh, I think it was interesting because, you know, I think that as you guys could attest to, I sometimes am hard on guys and, you know, I try (laughs) to push that to their limits, um, like to challenge guys early and get them to know that, you know, I'm not going to quit. So let's, you know, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to rise up? And, um, you know, he was one of those guys that uh, was challenging at times uh, because he was so smart and so good at everything he did, he could easily not do things and still be better than everyone else. And, you know, for me as a coach, that wasn't good enough uh you know that's not how I do things that's not how you're gonna reach your potential because at some point doesn't matter who you are somebody is as good as you and you're you know you're gonna lose that battle at some point if you're not ready to dig in and so I, I think for me um you know working with Garrett as a as a younger kid you know I had the opportunity to to work on those things, you know, really push him, uh, create discipline, those types of things that, you know, for him at the time, probably was not what he wanted to do at all. And um, the talent level was certainly through the roof. And, you know, quickly into the next couple years, um, after I wasn't coaching him and he was still in high school, uh, you know, it took off and, you know, was just amazing. So I think, you know, when I – when I was with him and was working with him and directly, you know, his head coach, um, you know, it was exciting because you're like, man, you don't get these kind of guys in high school very often. Um, you know, and it wasn't that it was so much better than everyone else. It was just that you knew it was in there. And then how are you going to help him help himself to get it out? Which for me is really what I love about coaching.
0: And you, you, looked at Bryce Harper early on didn't you
2: yeah that was my first draft um, I uh, you know my very first ever day scouting so I my, I haven't been out to a game I haven't been anywhere um, the kind of uh, whirlwind of uh, the Blue Jays offering me a job and me leaving U- University of Texas at Arlington it was all kind of this Month-long process that seemed like it took two days. Um, I moved states. Um, I moved out by myself to Arizona. My first, you know, gig is to go to the first junior college baseball game of the season, and it's to watch Bryce Harper. And obviously, this is going to be a big deal. And I get to the, you know, I get to the field and everything, and it's just a hundred percent different than everything else you're ever going to do. In scouting and uh, you know I, I'm at the game and there's three representatives from our organization there including our general manager and um, every every team is there obviously so every team is there and then about two or three other guys that would never show up at a you know the first game of a baseball <laughs> season and I'm like what is going on like this is crazy and you know I don't know what I'm doing I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing and yeah it was it was unbelievable experience for me personally to kind of you know not only is it my first gig um in that environment but it's you know it's at the biggest game of maybe the last you know 30 years to watch a baseball player it was crazy
1: do you remember what he did that game <laughs> uh, I don't remember I do remember watching uh,
2: BP and yeah it was unbelievable I mm-hmm. I I'd never well i had had the luxury of having um Hunter Pence work out with us all the time at UT Arlington and his the way the ball came off his bat was amazing it was the reason he was better than other guys and um he there you know we got a lot of pro guys whether they played it for us there or we're just living in the area that would come work out and you know they so they'd come with hunter and you know it's like man these these three or four other guys are really good and he was just so much better and then at the same time on my team i have michael choice who ends up being the 10th pick overall mm-hmm. and so you know like these guys are hitting and i'm like man this is really really good and then literally, you know, a month later, I'm watching Bryce Harper, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is better than that. Like, what does that mean? Like, I had no idea what it even meant. I had to try to figure that out. You know, I, I, luckily, I don't think anyone else had ever seen anything like that, so I wasn't in the minority on that
1: one. <laughs> so I'm going to share a little anecdote here, and I'm going to see – you may not even remember this, but when I hear you say that he was that good, I it takes me back to a game that we played in high school – where and I won't name names just for the sake of you know the story but that we had a kid come down to play our team at our home field and he was from California and he was he ended up getting drafted in the second round I believe um to the Phillies and he came in and he hit 97 twice against us and we're he was a senior in high school and you're talking about high school baseball players and we're all sitting there wide-eyed like who is this dude and how did God touch his arm this well? See, that's why I decided to play tennis. (laughs) And so, but I I remember so vividly, um, coach Flatten just looking at us and said, he's got his fastball. We hit fastballs. And, and that was like this moment where it went from, we aren't even going to this kid's going to throw a no toucher to, we're going to hit this dude because we're going to jump on his fastball. And he's not used to teams being aggressive against him. Well, Uh, End story here is we end up beating him and we beat him good enough that if I'm not mistaken it was his first high school loss and we put up like you know four or five runs in three or four innings against him and just that confidence that you gave to us of having been there before like he's got his fastball but you guys can hit his fastball and so when I hear you say you would never seen anything like Bryce Harper my head starts to spin because it's like (laughs) he must be pretty damn good.
2: story what a good memory to think back on and uh um the coach in me immediately thinks do you remember how many guys we left at third base in those innings like we really <laughs> could have put it on him and that would have i don't you know i'm pretty sure he probably doesn't remember that game but he i, I think he would have remembered that one you know he, he's doing some good things now but mm-hmm. uh, the uh yeah um it's uh it was at a different level and i I think it was interesting for me to go the you know like that's your first day and then what is the rest of the (laughs) you know that season gonna look like um which is you know pretty crazy and the crazy thing about it was you know we had the i believe we had the 11th pick that year so obviously we're not picking bryce harper and um i wrote so many reports on bryce harper like i i mean there there's Many reports that I've filed and put away, um, and you know, obviously, though they don't matter to anybody. But uh, uh, I spent so much time there. But what was great was I, um, you know, I think in something you would tell your players and, and want to always remind guys is. You know I'm there watching Bryce Harper because I have to be but man I found probably six or seven guys that I may not have seen that year because I had to go to so many of those games and uh, you know some of those guys ended up getting a chance to play for professional baseball which is is really cool Um, it also opened the door for things in Vegas um, because you know not only was there that year but you know next year you got Joey Gallo and I mean, Mm -hmm. it seemed like it just kind of opened the door. um, And literally, I think, you know, I wrote up four different guys that we didn't pick that year that um, all ended up in the big leagues um, from Vegas. May not have come out of Vegas, you know, obviously as high school kids, but went to college somewhere and then eventually ended up in the big leagues that year.
0: So with someone like Bryce, and like you said, you write all these reports and you know that, there's not really a chance that your organization is going to take him. Is it when there's when there's a player like that who everyone is big on? Is it hard to write stuff that other people aren't writing, and is it hard to to find stuff about him that other people, you know, don't already know? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's actually a great question
2: because I I think you know typically when you're writing your reports you're trying to paint this picture um, because someone that is reading it probably has not seen that player and may not see that player until way further down the road and if you really like him you've got to paint a picture that you know really creates Whoa, uh, you know I I gotta get out and see this guy what's going on down there and uh, you know for for Bryce obviously you didn't need to really describe a lot because not only was it out there in the public but you know I mean I don't know if we were you know I, I don't know if they're reading my reports or not again we're not picking him in we also had so many guys in our organization that were also coming out to see him at different times that you know are they going to take are they going to read a report of the first year guy or are they going to just go with their 20 years of own experience on what they think um, so it was interesting for me because i did spend time trying to figure out like you know how can i do this in a in a different way that maybe is capturing something that somebody else is missing um, or maybe something that I think will show up down the, down the road and, you know, that other people are overlooking because, you know, at this moment, he's a can't-miss pro- prospect. So, you know, even, even though this might come up, it's probably not going to change the fact that you're going to pick him and pay him a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, trying to find different ways to describe a guy that's kind of, you know, everyone has already... Written every comment that you could possibly write and describe him in a way that you know is off the charts. Um, just continuing to to write something that maybe someday somebody will look back at one of my reports and go, "Man, that was that was right on." Mm-hmm.
1: So you mentioned you know you've talked a lot about your your experience inexperience you know all the the path that you've taken to each of your jobs and something I was wanted to ask you is. So you've talked about pro ball, you've talked about Division One baseball, I know you've been in R.I. and NAIA, have you coached at every collegiate level?
2: I think, um, you know, I, I haven't coached Division Two or Division Three, but, you know, I would just throw Division One in there as an you know, I'm an NCAA guy, and um, I haven't coached in a spring uh, junior college season but I did spend some time in a fall uh, at a junior college when I was starting to look for jobs so I have coached at that level um, coached the high school level and and coached and scouted professionally so I mean there really isn't anything I've done um, and uh, you know now with kids and friends with kids you know you can throw in you know 8U and 9U and
1: 10U or whatever it might be so You do a lot of pro yeah. scouting in 8U? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Got a live arm yeah. at 7. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep, it's uh, it's really putting me ahead of the curve right now. So. <laughs> um is
0: there a is there like a level that you just kind of gravitate to the most that you enjoy the most from a from a coach coach's perspective?
2: Um I I think uh for me I've just always I love the game so much. I love teaching about the game. I love giving uh, as much information as I can. So hopefully, you know, guys that want to continue to to use baseball as a platform in some way um, can find ways to do that, or it ignites their passion, or keeps their passion going. Um, that I've never really ever thought about, like what level I do anything at. And I think it's interesting because, like I said, you know, even five years ago, like, you know, you're a professional guy, you're a professional guy, you're a D1 guy, you're a D1 guy. And everybody else can be anything they want, but you're never going to be those guys unless you are one of those guys. And the fact that I was able to do that and then go the other way and then come back, Mm -hmm. um, people ask me all the time, like, "Why, why would you do that? Like, you've been at the top. Of the profession, like, then why would you coach high school? And, you know, for me, like, I've never once thought, like, it's about the level that I'm at. It's about the opportunity that I've had and the impact that I could make, you know, for the game. So, you know, I I think for me, like, I just love it so much and I love working with guys um, that I sometimes, maybe even to a fault, like, don't really go man I could do this I could really do this in this game and push myself forward you know professionally or monetarily or whatever it might be and um, you know but because of that, I've gotten to do so many things and I've gotten to make so many friends and I've gotten to coach, you know, you know, I've coached guys that are now, you know, in their thirties and have kids and I get to be part of their family. And, um, you know, it's just been so rewarding for me off the field, um, that I, I can't ever say like one's been better than the other. I mean, there's certainly the perks that are amazing when you're working in professional baseball and the things you get to do. And the fan in me comes out at times where, you know, I'm sitting in a, uh, you know, I remember when I was working for the Reds, you know, I'm sitting in the um, locker room and, you know, I'm sitting next to Eric Davis. I'm like, man,
1: Eric Davis, <laughs> Eric Davis.
2: <laughs> you know, like for me in the nineties, like, you know, like you just wanted to be that guy for one day because uh-huh. like, what couldn't he do? And, um, you know, like you're looking and I'm like, man, and he's talking to me like I actually supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, this guy has no idea that I'm nobody. (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's just, you know, that's happened so many times for me
0: because I am a fan. Um, and, uh, I think, uh,
2: one of the cool things like, uh, last year, spring training, um, in Florida and, we got a little break. I'm walking through the the uh, batting cages, and David Eckstein is in there. And I'm like, you know, very rarely do I ever talk to a guy like, hey, you know, I used to love you. You're my favorite player. Obviously, that's not probably not what I should do. And um, But I'll, you know, take advantage of the opportunity to, to talk to them just, you know, because you got a chance to learn or whatever, but it's more of a professional relationship. But I literally walked into the batting cage and just said, hey – Mr. Eckstein, man, I was at you know game one, game three, game seven of the World
0: Series (laughs) when you were with the Angels, and and, uh, man, you know, I I really was like, man, it was amazing. You're amazing, you know, and kind of went through the whole process of why
2: I loved him as a player and that type of thing, and as a growing up as an Angels fan, and um, you know, it was really cool. So like stuff like that is just you know, it's irreplaceable personally. But, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, what's been the best or what do I like the best, man, I've loved every single opportunity I've ever had to, to work with one guy that no one's ever going to hear of to an opportunity, you know, to, to coach the 10th pick in the draft, to, you know, coach a guy who's making a lot of money in the big time. So,
1: mm-hmm. All right, Coach Fly, we have one more question for you because you I told you there'd be something up my sleeve. <laughs> um <laughs> So we've we've been debating this now. So we have a 60-game season coming up. Who hits the most home runs and how many do they hit? We want you to speak it into existence so that when it happens, we can turn back to the pitching backwards episode eight. <laughs>
2: oh, man. Um, I knew you guys would ask me something like this because it's, uh, you know me, and it's not, I'm never, like, I like base hits the right field that, move runners to first to third so that's
1: why you couldn't handle me at the plate (laughs) (laughs) so
2: like i even practiced last night thinking i need to i need to make sure i know who my power guys are because i know you guys are going to ask me a power
0: question (laughs) or we could even switch it up who's going to lead the league (laughs) and singles to right field and move the runners over
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah because that sells a lot of tickets but this year there's no tickets, so i think we'll be all right so Um, Yeah, um, I don't know, man. I I think, uh, you know, it's so it's such a when you when you shorten the game this much, it's going to be crazy because, you know, guys at that level can do some amazing things over a course of time. And, you know, for them, 60 games is like, you know, three days in our world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so somebody gets hot, it, it could be really crazy. Um, and and somebody will. There's just too many good players um, for, you know, like, oh, man, there just hasn't been that many guys hitting bombs this year. You know, I, I don't think that'll be the case. But, um, you know, I think – I don't know. I think uh, I think Rendon will have a great year in L.A. Um, and I, I think that's kind of one of those guys that um, he's not a he's kind of a black horse candidate for mm-hmm. uh, for a uh, for a home run king guy. But I just think when you have such a great swing, um, the consistency in a short season could really you know he could be in a place where they're you know he's just kind of wrap them up you know quickly um but uh also you know i I just envision them playing day games um across the country a little bit more because right now you don't have to worry about getting fans in the stands and it could be a tv thing so some of those places where the weather is amazing during the day um you, you work that in and i think uh you know so anybody in southern california could take advantage of that um, but if I if I narrowed it down and, you know, just as a fan of the game, I'd, I'd love to see Trout do something really, really cool. And I, I think it it would be fun because, you know, even in a short season, you know, that gives him a chance. He plays so, so dang hard that, you know, that's why he always ends up hurt or something, that in a short season he can really put up some amazing numbers. And, you know, maybe it would be one of those years where you're like, man, can you believe that he did that?
1: Mm-hmm. Put a number to it. How many does Mike Trout hit? Um, Man. What, what did I say last week? I, th- I think I said like 21, 22. I think you had Mike Trout 21, and I had Cattell Marte with 24. Oh, well, man. Diamondbacks are good catch, too. I mean, man, you got to hit in that park
2: with the only thing to worry about is <laughs> hitting. Man, that's pretty good. Um, uh, let's go with... Uh,
1: 28. Wow. Ken Griffey Jr. hit 29 in 60 games. And I think Mike Trout's probably the closest thing to ever come close to Ken Griffey to replicate Jr. replicate that, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I think, I think you know, as you guys know, through the course of history, there's been some guys that, you know, no one remembers their names that that did some really cool things in, you know, 10 days in big league baseball and they kind of you know they're cool because when the date comes up someone will talk about it or whatever but otherwise you're never going to remember um you know a guy like like trout somebody like that you know in this shortened season it something really amazing is going to happen and uh I, I think obviously as a fan you're hoping that you know that amazing thing happens on your team
1: so sure. Well, I think that's all we have for you, Coach Flatt, and we want to thank you for coming on. We had a really good time.
0: Yes, thank you so much. It was great talking with you. Uh, I really
2: appreciate it, and uh, I love the show. You guys are doing a great job, and I uh, look forward to listening every week and um, you know the kind of unique formats that you guys are bringing. You guys are doing a great job.
1: Thanks, Coach. Thanks.